Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Shep and I wanted to preface this episode by letting you know that it was recorded in early March before COVID-19 started to really ramp up in the U.S. We're going to talk about things like egg label claims, which honestly don't seem that important if you can't even find eggs on your local grocery shelves. We're also going to talk about rural grocery stores where problems become exaggerated in a pandemic situation like this. We do want you to know that Vital Farms has plenty of eggs and the folks at Egg Central Station are working around the clock to get them to you as safely and efficiently as possible. We can't even begin to tell you how proud we are of our co-crew out in Springfield, Missouri. And for my salt of the earth people out there in rural America, I know you grew up stepping on rusty nails and drinking from the water hose, but for the sake of the people that love you, please take this situation seriously. Quarantine if possible and stay away from highway stops. Just embrace your country lifestyle. We'll get back to normal soon enough, and I will be delighted if you get to tell me that I was overreacting, Dad. Anyways, please enjoy episode two of Shooting the Bullshit with Vital Farms. You're listening to Shooting the Bullshit with Vital Farms. Welcome to Shooting the Shit, a Vital Farms podcast. Um, Shep, we got a lot of really good feedback from episode one. Yep. What are you thinking? Well, still unsure who listens to it besides the people in this office and my parents, but glowing five-star reviews from my parents, uh, Marsha and Pete. Marsha uh, Sandusky, Ohio. We, we saw we had one download from there, so we know they liked it. We actually just looked at the podcast stats, and what we saw was probably, what, a quarter of our listeners are from Ohio. We have one listener from Kansas. I'm really disappointed in my people. Let's step it up. How do your parents like it? Were they the one download? My mom did not listen to it. What? My dad wouldn't. He just doesn't podcast. But he's out there working on the farm. Doesn't he have Van Halen in his ear? Or? So one year I thought I was being the best daughter and I got him a subscription to Sirius Radio for his tractor for Christmas. Great and I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to have 80 channels to listen to. <laughs> you can because he loves pop radio too. I'm like, you're going to have so many options. And he still would listen to... 95.5, the pop radio out of Dodge City, Kansas, because he liked his radio house. You know what? It makes sense, though. One, I think that's a great gift. As a fellow child here, mm-hmm. you're infusing some technology. You're showing an understanding of what he's going through. But I also have noticed parents, right? Like if you birth a child and then bring them through all the awkward stages of life. They are not listening to it's your It's got to be a lot harder to listen to them dropping knowledge on you, right? He list- Do you know how many commercials this guy listens to a day when you're spending 18 hours on a tractor listening to like local radio? Do you think maybe he enjoys him? Like he's got a little bit of a marketer down d- deep down in it. there. I don't know. Miss farmer, also, farmer do you know blood? how hard it is to get serious radio set up in a tractor? <laughs> do they it's even- not easy. They don't just come with it like your Ford Fusion. We, we got to maybe we'll get them on podcast after this to set up this episode. I thought we would answer a question I've been asking a lot of people lately. So I'm asking this in interviews and in at dinner parties and just in around the office in general. And that question is, what Disney character are you? Mm, that's a good one. Do you have a Disney character for yourself? I know I have one for you. So I don't have one for you because I'm not as well versed. You don't have one for me. Um, I don't have one for 
you and I wouldn't even have one for myself unless you wouldn't have given me one in the past. Okay. Do you remember the one you oh, gave me? Oh, I know who your Disney... Shep's Disney character, I've been naming everyone around the office. I've been giving them characters and Shep's came to me immediately. Like, wasn't difficult at all. It's Pocahontas, everybody, for <laughs> sure. Shep, why, why do you resonate with Pocahontas? I, when you said that to me, my heart warmed up and I just felt, you know, the beating heart of Mother Nature deep down inside. I just like the going outside, getting out in the wilderness, connecting, kind of back to the basics sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think Pocahontas is, I don't know, she's up there on a pedestal. I think people hold a lot of high regard for Pocahontas. For sure. And I remember when I accidentally validated it for you. Do you remember this? Yeah. So our, my first year at Expo, we were super tired, long day, feet were sore. And Shep said, let's go grounding. 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 Take, what, what? Taking your shoes off. You, you've got positive ions in your toes and your feet and then there's ions that interact with the ground the soil <sighs> i don't know yeah i'm probably gonna butcher the science of it you didn't tell me about the ions no. before because i wouldn't have done it that's podcast level knowledge dropping okay right there. so and what we did is after expo we went and stood out in the front yard of just a small patch grass, of grass stood in the grass and then you look we looked to the sky you raised your arms i didn't raise my <laughs> arms it wasn't committed to that level it did make us feel a little bit better. Yeah, though. some deep breaths, you know, just slowing down, connecting with nature. And that's why Shep is Pocahontas. <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm okay, Pocahontas. Okay, who's my Disney character? So I don't know Disney well enough. I, I, Lion King's one of my favorites. So I wanted to say Nala. But Nala. I didn't remember is that if that was a sequel of Disney. You don't of even Di- know what's Nala's characteristic, their personality traits. I just thought a female lion. A female and I lion. thought, you okay. know, I thought half of that I'll is just that. gender based. So that's not, that's not necessarily <laughs> the best, but like the, you do have lion characteristics. I'm going to give you my preferred Disney princess. Growing up, it was Mulan. If you want to take it one level deeper, I've been told I'm almost a 100% match for um, Edna from The Impossibles. Was that the daughter? No, the impo- Edna from The Impossible. She's the one that makes their uh, costumes. From Incredibles. Our producer is nodding his head. He knows who Edna <laughs> is. Let me explain. Well, our producer has a child. So like, get, take me <laughs> off the hook, okay? I'm not as well-versed in Disney nowadays. But. So Edna is the one that she lives, like, she's a recluse, basically. She lives alone, and she gets okay. hit up once every 20 years to make costumes for superheroes. She's annoyed that people are even reaching out to her, <laughs> check but she check. takes on the job and just absolutely knocks it out of the park for wow. them. So I do. <laughs> Story <laughs> checks out, guys. The only thing is that she's about two and a half feet tall, which doesn't line up, seeing as I'm 5'11", but. You can't hit every attribute. No, we can't. <laughs> Next up, we're going to go into our usual segment of calling bullshit. This is the segment where we call out something in the food industry or even just talk about it and maybe not call it out maybe we end up siding with it who knows maybe yeah maybe i'm one i'm on one side you're on another who knows we don't agree on everything yeah 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 what we're going to discuss today is claims in the egg category okay it's a little bit more difficult for you being the butter guy but butter guy hard-boiled guy and ghee guy but okay hard-boiled our eggs and i've spent some you know i've spent some time within these four walls so i know a bit about uh, you've been to the farm once or twice Mm -hmm. vegetarian fed vegetarian fed now this is one that i could see this one is one that grinds your gears right it definitely grinds my gears and we're pretty educated uh you know on eggs egg claims and the life of chicken lives Mm -hmm. um so i could see maybe a young shepherd you know, 
fresh out of college, buying, buying eggs on his own, vegetarian fed, that sounds great. What I don't think most people know is that chickens are omnivores. So would, uh, yes. Name, name something a chicken eats on pasture. We're going to play the category game, okay? So yep. you name something, I name something until we run out. Ants. Crickets. Grubs. Moles. Moles. I think mole. I, are we? All right. So this is where a, a hipster and a farm girl divert a bit. I'm thinking of a, a mole as like. The, the point here is that chickens are eating things like insects. They're eating things up to mice even. Yep. They're eating anything you're finding out on pasture, which isn't vegetarian fed. No. And they, they need the protein from the bugs to have a full, well-rounded diet. Mm-hmm. And from everything I've heard, if you're on a vegetarian fed diet, that's when these caged, cage-free facilities can have a lot of pecking. They turn into little raptors, mm. right? They're looking for meat yeah. because they're undernourished. And then that's where all this chicken fighting goes on. The crazy behavior. The crazy it's behavior. kind of like me if I'm not getting meat in my diet. Yeah. You, they get a little hangry. Like, I respect vegetarians. I kind of have, like, codependency issues with vegetarians, potentially, which that's a whole other topic. But... I need to have some meat in my day otherwise. And if you want to make that decision for whatever reason it may be, you're making that decision. Yeah. For chickens, they're looking to express their natural behavior, their natural diet. And when you take a piece of that away, they're missing a piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's, it's not great for the life that they're living. And I wouldn't imagine it's great for their eggs either. No. So vegetarian fed bullshit. Next up, certified organic. What do you think of certified organic? I think it's fun to play the kind of general consumer game, right? Mm-hmm. Like consumer chef, certified organic sounds great. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What does consumer Becca think about certified organic? Certified organic triggers my farm girl, farm girl instincts because the thing about certified organic on eggs is what it means is that the chickens are getting certified organic feed, which is good, but it's not qualifying their environment at all. It's not meaning that they're necessarily getting to go outside regularly. They don't have the big spacious environments that you're looking at from pasture-raised eggs. And it's regulations, right? Mm-hmm. The regulations to be organic don't necessarily mean what the general consumer would think it would. Yeah. Organic to me means you're living an organic lifestyle. You're out on organic pasture. Yeah. It but- triggers a lot of positive connotation for people. And some for some people, it's the only indicator word they need when they're shopping the eggshell. Yeah, like we talked about earlier, you're looking for hacks. You're mm-hmm. looking for shortcuts. We've all got busy lives. An organic claim or an organic uh, certification, mm-hmm. that's a shortcut. Yeah. But what we see is the other side. These uh, companies are looking for shortcuts as well. An organic symbol and whatever the loophole it is that they yeah. can do with the minimal effort to make the most profit it is what they do. So a lot of times organic doesn't necessarily mean what we think it does or what we hope it does. So there's some other key indicators, right? Of pasture raised, a company or a brand you trust, uh, vital farms, <coughs> uh, vital <laughs> farms. But yeah. And you see, and it's, it's, uh, it's tough because as you talk to consumers, friends, family members, a lot mm-hmm. of them feel duped. A lot of them feel that they can't trust the food industry because you trust organic, you trust this company, then you see an article or a Netflix documentary, yeah. right? How many times do you talk to someone, I saw this Netflix documentary, and it's really tough for them then to trust anything. So to give a little bit of scope to Vital Farms founder, Matt O'Hare, eats our pasture-raised organic eggs, the ones coming in the brown carton, because 
it's important to him that both the feed is organic and the hens are pasture-raised. Me, farm girl from Kansas, I'm buying our conventional egg or conventional pasture-raised eggs that are coming in the black box. Really important to me that the animals are living outside. Less important to me on the, feed, yeah. on the feed piece. So I'm open to evolving that opinion, but right now that's where I'm at. And honestly, that's where a lot of consumers are at just based on demand for our products. Definitely. So those are egg category claims. If you have any other category claims you want us to call it on, write us in. Let us know. Info at Vital Farms. Next up is our give a segment where we talk about things that we're passionate about. And I have a question for Shep on something that I know he's super passionate about. And this is butter coffee. Butter coffee. I've been really tired in the mornings. and I know you drink butter coffee every day. I think I kind of wrote it off the first time you brought it up because it seemed a little too hipstery for me, to be right. honest. <laughs> and I That's just, fair. Butter and coffee. Can, what? Tell me what it is, why you do it. What is yes. butter coffee? Butter coffee is you start with coffee, you add butter, and then you also add... <laughs> Thank that, you, was Chef. It, was that obvious? <laughs> uh, so it's butter and coffee. Go figure. And then you also add MCT oil, um, mm -hmm. which is uh, medium chain triglycerides, which is a uh, coconut oil extract. And the common thread between butter and MCT oil is healthy fats, a healthy fatty acid profile. Okay. So you put that in a blender with coffee and blend it up. It almost turns into a latte, like a nice caramel colored drink. What's your fat content in this? Is this something I want to be drinking on a everyday basis? <laughs> Great question. Great question. So what we know is that saturated fat doesn't directly lead to heart, heart disease as long as you use it in moderation. So there are saturated fats within butter. We know that. But uh -huh. fats are back. So what's know? moderation? Is everyday drinking butter coffee? Is that okay? It is for me. I think I'm healthy and thriving over here. Okay. But <laughs> talk to me in 20 years. No. Chef thinks he's healthy and thriving. Yes. Moderation is if you start your day with butter coffee. So mm -hmm. I, I don't eat breakfast during the weekdays. Uh, I'm not a, necessarily an early person. I'm more of a night owl. Okay. So to get my day started quick, I just do a butter coffee and hit, hit the road. So when's the first time you eat during the day? Usually 1130. Okay. 1130, 12, maybe on crazy days, 11 o'clock. So I do eat a bit earlier, uh -huh. but it's, um, it's kind of the same thing, the intermittent fasting. It's not quite all to bright there, but I don't necessarily feel hungry. So I listen to my body and I don't need to eat breakfast right off the bat. So have you ever eaten breakfast? What did you eat growing up? Yeah. So growing up, I mean, that's, that's crazy town, right? I mean, I was trying to get cinnamon toast crunch. You're I was saying eating... second grade chef wasn't drinking butter coffee? No, unfortunately not. Did not have skinny jeans and was not uh, drinking butter coffee back okay. then. Growing up, it was a hodgepodge, right? On the weekends, similar to now, bacon, eggs, toast, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. The weekdays, it was cereal. Definitely. Favorite cereal. Favorite cereal as an adult, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. As an adult? <laughs> as an adult. I don't That's eat an it. aggressive adult cereal. It's like in a, I don't eat it for breakfast, but it's like if I see it, a walk down memory lane, a little nostalgia. Do you I'll have some in your pantry right now? We do not. <sighs> Back to butter coffee. Mm -hmm. is, <laughs> we were moving at a million miles an hour, but butter coffee, the idea is it's a way to start your day um, without eating. So uh. you don't typically pair it with a breakfast, hence the moderation, right? I don't typically do it with a big, bacon, egg, breakfast, and butter coffee. It's a quick way to start my day during the week. The fat content help with uh, satiate your appetite. Mm -hmm. And it also reacts with the um, caffeine to have a bit of a more slow burn. 
on the caffeine. So if I wanted to start drinking butter coffee, what does that look like? Like, do I put a stick of butter in there? So I use for two cups, two tablespoons. Okay, so, so you put two cups of coffee, a mug or a an actual cup measurement? A full French press of coffee that... A full n- French press of coffee. That nets okay. out to two Yetis worth. Kylie, my wife and I, <laughs> and myself, and then uh, two tablespoons of butter okay. and a quick, quick squeeze of MCT oil. And I mean quick. You do not want to overdo it What happens on the if MCT you oil. overdo it on the MCT oil? PSA, it could be a laxative. Oh. I don't know if we're going to have to. <laughs> we might have to edit this out. What, I know we're explicitly rated, but yeah, uh, it can be a laxative. So you want to be careful with the MCT. And I do have to admit, you're much more focused and with it in the mornings than I am. I'm a lot less productive in the mornings. (laughs) Wow, this is an admission that I had not heard before. You've been calling me out for rolling in at about 9 a.m. for the past two (laughs) weeks, so. Well, if I get in any minute before 9 a.m., I'm looking at everyone else as if they're lazy. It's like if you somehow get the front row of the plane and someone has to walk past you, it's like, ugh. You feel very self-righteous when you get there before your coworkers. If I get in before 9, everyone else here is lazy. Okay, okay. Great, so. We, we dropped a little knowledge on butter coffee, mm-hmm. something that I definitely give a shit about. Yeah. Very passionate about. Drink it every day. What about you? What do you give a shit about? Something that's been on my mind a lot this week is rural grocery stores. And I apologize for everyone. I don't say the word rural very well. It kind of sounds like I'm gargling. Is it because you're too close to it? You know, like. Maybe that's it. Yeah. You- I'm going to say small I'm going to say small town grocery stores from here on out. My hometown Spearville, Kansas grocery store closed a couple months back, which is really crazy and that uh, means that my family now has to drive 20 miles to oh get goodness. a gallon of milk. How close was it before? 6 blocks. Okay. So, so you're really close before and I know I think it's a mile in the city in an urban area and 10 miles in suburbs or rural mm-hmm. areas uh, to be considered a food desert. So now your hometown is considered and where your parents live. Considered my a food family, desert. my dad's a farmer, so he's one of the people feeding America lives in a food desert. That does not seem right. Which, Something about that. Which is honestly, it's really true of a lot of small town USA. There's been this huge exodus of grocery stores in the last couple of decades for a variety of reasons, but it just does not seem fair for the people that are feeding America that they don't have grocery stores nearby. No, it's not right. It, they should be able to feed their families the same way that we do, if not better. Yeah. There's a couple of reasons that I found out why this is happening, and one of them is that farms are getting bigger and bigger. Conventional farms are getting bigger as so it becomes less farmers, more land per area. And so people are leaving small towns, if that makes sense. Totally. As conventional farmers get bigger and farmers just need to make money. Yeah. And this goes back to what we talked about on the last podcast of your why. Farmers. Mm-hmm. And uh, Russell Diaz-Canseco, our CEO's why. Farmers. Yeah. They, they often get the short end of the stick just by nature of how businesses are set up, by nature of being in more rural areas as everyone moves to these cities. Yeah. They get left behind. So I have been thinking a lot lately about what's next and how you solve a huge problem like that. I mean, it's not just an easy fix. So what is the solution for food for people in small towns? It's, I'm racking my brain and it's been really difficult. Is it smaller markets? Uh, I know um, when I lived in Arkansas, there were Walmart neighborhood markets that were much smaller. These grocery stores... I will tell you, the grocery store in my hometown is called The Merc, short for mercantile. Okay. It's smaller than a Walmart neighborhood market wow. by far. And there's not enough 
Um, there's like four aisles of food. And there's still not and it's enough not folks enough. there to support it. No. Is it people moving to cities that are driving this, do you think? One of the big reasons I've heard, I've been doing some research, is as towns are getting smaller and other stores close, so like if the John Deere in town closes and then people have to drive 30 minutes to go get their parts, they're going to do their shopping there. Got so it. other stores closing, the decline of rural America in general is leading to this, but losing a grocery store is just the lifeblood for a small town. And honestly, if, if there's no grocery store, we're not going to get younger folks into these small towns. We're not going to get younger farmers. Farmers are going to keep retiring. I'm seeing an apocalypse type situation happening here and I'm getting worked <laughs> up. Is there, do, do we think it will correct itself? So at Vital Farms, we have a lot of younger farmers and we purposely don't work with farmers who have been in the ag industry before because yeah. they may have bad habits. They may have run a cage facility or worked at cage-free farms. And because of the way um, that Vital Farms has set up our structure and our farmer contracts, we incentivize them for doing the right thing, yeah, for raising animals the right way. And we've seen an influx of farmers hoping to come work with us. Is and this something that could help, do you think? I think Farming the way we farm instead of mass conventional farming is a better way because you're you're having more people per area. That is part of the solution. There's a lot of good organizations doing good work. So the Kansas Rural Grocery Initiative by Kansas State University is actually one of the leaders in this field, which is kind of cool. They're doing things like connecting these small towns to grants that help them or setting up cooperative style grocery stores for these small towns. Um, I'm... I'm still kind of struggling with this issue being so business minded and wanting to, but still wanting to see small town America thrive. So if anyone has any ideas, send them my way. Just been something I'm thinking about a lot lately. Yeah. Well, it shows that you're, uh, you're living your why on why you're at Vital Farms and, uh, at at least you're doing your part in your, in your daily nine to five. Yeah. Um, so I think that's all. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Rick and Jill. Yeah. Becca's parents. Oh gosh. What do you say? We got to have you guys listen to this. Okay. They're not going to hear it if you <laughs> say it on the podcast. I'll, I'll give them a call. I really hope our producer cuts out most of this ending. <laughs> you got to give him content. He's shaking his head yeah. over there. Here comes our outro song. Thanks for listening. To find out more about Vital Farms, visit vitalfarms.com or check out your local grocery store and check out the egg aisle.